Everybody, welcome. We're going to talk to Chloe Hilliard today. She hasn't arrived yet. I'm early. Normally, I tape these after the guest talks to me, but and then I say something like it was a great talk or something. But I don't know how this is going to go. I think it's going to be fine. I always like talking to Chloe. Let's uh, let's do some of my tour dates, and I'll burn through these pretty quickly. I'll just do the cities. You can look them up on toddberry.com. Uh, I'll do the dates also. Yeah, I just won't do the venues. Okay. I'm trying to save time, but I'm actually wasting more time. April 19th, Phoenix. April 26th, Greensboro, North Carolina. May 3rd, Copenhagen, Denmark. May 4th, Oslo. May 6th, Prague. Oh, man. Then May 10th and 11th, Berlin. Three shows sold out, but there may be some last-minute tickets available. I know that's a mixed message. Uh, May 23rd, New York City headlining show. June 7th and 8th, Springfield, Missouri. June 21st, the Clusterfest in San Francisco. Uh, October 3rd, Honolulu. Then October 5th, I don't know if how you say this. Is it Kihai, Hawaii? I think it's Kihai. If not, I apologize. I know I could look this up, but I didn't. Anyway, we'll be right back with Chloe Hilliard. Are you ready, Chloe? I am ready. Have you done a lot of big podcasts like this? Not as big as the Todd Berry's. <laughs> I used to do this in my kitchen, Chloe. I know. It's just, I mean, it's fine, but you have like, yeah, it's just uh, like, I don't want to clean up. I know. And this is better microphones. I got an engineer. If I screw up, like yeah. that would have been like, I'd have to remember. Yeah. Then I have to fucking find it. Go back. Oh yeah. I do my own podcast. That's why. What's your podcast again? My podcast is called Social Misfit. Um, uh-huh. And it's a way for me to have like a long form conversation. I use people's personal social media posts and we dissect it and then use it as like a conversation starter. Oh my God. Yeah. I should be on this show. I, I've been trying to get you on my show for like two years, but you're so busy. I've never turned you down. You've never specifically. Wait, I was on it. Wasn't I on another podcast you did? Uh, that was another one I, I had. That was before I had my own personal one. But yeah, no, we just had to get our schedules together. Like this happened, you know. Yeah, you were you were tough to pin down. I know. I've been busy. Why? What have you been busy with? I have been on the road. I do a lot of colleges in the middle of the country. Do you do those NACA conventions? I haven't done NACA in a while. I'm I'm kind of NACA'd out. Like I've been. But doing you still colleges. get colleges without yeah. doing. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. word of mouth, and people watch my tape and stuff like that. Black, you know, black people are much needed in the Midwest to. I know that. Talk to isolated white kids on their I know that. college campuses, especially. I'm very busy. Black History Month and Women's History Month. So these last two months, I've been gone. How many? Uh, how many did you, did you burn out in February? How many shows? Uh, I had about. This was a light month, so I probably had about seventeen shows. In in February. That's pretty good. Yeah. Seventeen the, colleges you did. Mm-hmm. Man, you're yeah. raking it in. One year, one year I had twenty seven schools in thirty four days. Like the end, I was gone the entire month. Of uh, that's too punk the, rock. The coldest parts of this country. Yeah. Are you doing like are you doing like good venues or is it like colleges are such a crapshoot? It's hit or miss. Do you do nooners? 
I have done some nooners. Those are by far the absolute worst, but it builds character. If you don't know what a nooner is, is you are literally going to a community <laughs> college or a day school with like no nighttime activity or campus life. Nobody lives on campus and you go and they'll set you up and like the, the best is like the best slash me being sarcastic is like the middle of the atrium. Yeah, is when people like going in and out of classes and trying to have study, and then all of a sudden there's like a woman on a platform doing this. Hey, are you are you guys ready to laugh? Yeah. And yeah. they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Right. And there's no. Yeah, you just seem like, and, and then they hand you this big check, and you're like, "Yeah." Oh, then we're like, yeah, "Oh, that's This was fine. unnecessary for yeah. everyone involved, except you." Kind of want to tell them like that you could spend your money better than having a single person come here on a Tuesday at 11th, and and right. the nooners are now even worse because they're like 11:15. Seriously? Yeah. But then you can come home the same night though. Well, no, because now what well, I normally do okay. is I'll, if I'm out that far, you know, I'll do a nooner and then a school that night. So it'll be like a oh, sister, man. like two sister campuses. So I'll do like the nooner. I don't do them often, but I have, I have done them. So, so I, you're I've got like my stripes. Two to three million dollars a year. At least. <laughs> at least. No, it's not Tyberry money, but you know. Do you I'm like close. the traveling? Um, you know what? I don't. Actually, I'm trying to get out of it. I'm trying to get out of colleges because, um, the climate has changed. The country has changed. Yeah. And I was on the road. You know, I, I've been doing colleges. I've been doing stand-up comedy. This is my, I want to say my ninth year this year. That's it? I know. Uh, you shouldn't even be on this podcast. I know. You I know. have at least 15 years in before well, you get on this podcast. listen, this is an affirmative action <laughs> oh, okay. casting. So. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Oh, so man. I um I've been doing comedy for nine years, but uh three years into it, I got I did a TV set and a college agent saw me uh, Chuck Johnson at Summit Comedy and he hit me on Facebook and was like, "Do you do colleges?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you have an hour?" Yeah, that was a lie. Yeah. And um, but you just say yes and you just fill your way through it. And so I've been just doing colleges since then. So when I first started, it was great because I had just been you know at that point doing comedy a little bit full time. And it made me able to do it full time because you make such good money. And so I've been crisscrossing the country for like five, six years. But the problem is like I was there when the first, you know, Trump, Hillary Clinton election cycle happened. And uh -huh. you just I just saw I would be driving, you know, four, five, six, eight hours between shows. And you just see these massive cornfields, no skyline and just huge Trump signs. Uh -huh. And so when I would come back home, I'm like, y'all, uh, shit's kind of real. Like people are for real taking him seriously. They're really going to vote they were like no way no right. way and i would still hold that hope but i would i could count so you thought you knew he was going to win or i knew he was going to win because i'm hearing the conversations you know right. when you're and when you're in that part of the country that's they're they're f more freely talking about their viewpoints because they all kind of think the same so i would be at dinner after a show by myself like i'll treat myself to like you know an adult meal instead of like chicken fingers and i'll go find a Wait, nice that's restaurant not an adult meal? no it's not <laughs> oh todd God. you have to stop eating chicken <laughs> fingers um I would just go to a restaurant and I would sit, you know, by myself and I would just hear the conversations and everybody's talking about it. And so, I mean, I was at breakfast one time and these two old white ladies, they had to be at least like almost 70. And they were like, you know, she's just a bitch. And you're just like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Uh -huh. Then I'll go to dinner and I'll hear a table and it's like three, you know, three bros, but they're like married and their wives are there. So the guys are talking amongst themselves and they're talking and it's like, yeah, if she wins, this is a direct quote. If she wins, she's going to have us doing like diversity meetings every week. And I'm like, are y'all kidding me? This right. is legally mandated diversity meetings. meetings. And if so, what's every the, week, what's the big, that's <laughs> the problem. So, so when you hear like what the fear that they were talking amongst themselves and really it just speaks to how people 
are in this country, we, we are a patriarchal society. And even if you are a woman and you know that you're well equipped, a lot of women will still concede to a man because that's just what they've been taught to do. And so you're dealing with like moral value, structure and gender, traditional roles. These things play way differently in these parts of the country than they do where we far like where we are in New York City. So I was seeing all of that. And then once he got elected then there was a sort of like satisfaction and like empowerment that was just happening you just feel it kind of in the conversation you would have with people just feel the energy and you know I walk into a place and like you know they just stop like everybody stops like what the fuck is she doing here like not like angry racist but just like you don't belong what are you doing really that bad like even even for a visiting entertainer well I wasn't an entertainer like this is this is like me going after the show like the campus yeah like going not Applebee's it was like this (laughs) mom and pop place it was so crazy it was so stereotypical it was mom and pop pace and I had acts this is when I say I'm in small towns I'm in tiny towns like I just was in a town last weekend Michigan was like 8,000 people in the town, uh-huh. you know, and the student population at this college might have been like 900, you know, so like I'm in I play tiny, to more people every show. I know. I know because you have these high very. And so when I'm in these tiny, tiny rural towns by myself, I'm six one. I'm a black woman. I have nobody with me. I try to go and do something locally just so I can get a sense of, you right. know, adventure. Yeah. And they recommended this place that was like a mom and pop like restaurant. And I walked in and there was a band playing the spoons oh playing the spoons the spoons okay and a washboard the old school washboard and that's good so far no i I stepped in that door and everybody was like really oh no you don't and i was like oh i know i I was like apologizing like y'all right i don't belong here and like you could just see people like looking and then the waitress came up she was like oh sorry honey we're done serving and normally in the back of your black mind you're like she's lying Uh but i was like no okay i'll take that as my cue to go like i wasn't even gonna fight it there's no arguing like you sure because they just got their food i was like all right you have a great night i'll just gotta go and then i just saw like this one guy with like missing tooth i'm not even exaggerating like beard like overalls he got up and like coincidentally wanted to go outside and I was like see this is how like in the heat of the night start like they see what car I had and they're like you know like you really think he went out to to follow you on something they want I mean it was I think more so you just want to see if I was by myself you know what I'm saying like if it's one Uh if it's one black person fine but is it more coming because you know I got it so these are the scenarios that I have to kind of like be alert to because we we do see shit happen was there part of you that was like fuck you I'm eating here no, no, I was, I was. Which is not worth it. No, there, there was, it's not worth it. And so now when people ask me like what I think about the travel, I will say honestly, 80, 80% of the time the travel is fine. It's not a big problem. I get to meet nice students and there's just 20% where you're just like the, just you're exhausted from literally flying into one place, driving five yeah. hours, doing a show for an hour, trying to find something to eat. There's nothing in the town, only Walmart, get up the next morning, got a four hour drop, like that shit for like six, seven, eight days straight it's exhausting I know yeah it sounds brutal I feel like you just want to take a nap right now I do (laughs) just describing that I'm worn out but the thing is you make a lot of money so it's like you know it's intoxicating it is but I don't think I think doing college is too much is not good for no, development also. Yeah, and that's I'm at that point now where I mean I've I've put in my I've put in my hours I dare to say no nah, I wouldn't say ten thousand but close to ten thousand. I would, not no not ten thousand but I'm just saying like I'm halfway at least five thousand five thousand hours of yeah. comedy. Yeah. Do you uh, are you gonna do like clubs now? Yeah, well you know I'm I'm trying to get into clubs but that's an obstacle too because clubs don't like to book black women. 
Yeah? Yeah. What if they kill though? Well, they want they want a sure bet. They don't like taking chances on Well also I mean there is I'm not denying what you just said, but there's also like clubs that I haven't gotten into and they're and just there's some people just like a certain thing, then there's people who just don't think you're gonna draw. Yeah. And that goes to a lot of I mean even just saying you did Conan, that's not gonna or something like that. Mm-hmm. They just want they just want more. It's like when you are in my experience, I can only speak to my experience, but when you are a black woman, they want a sure bet. So they'll give a they'll give a, a guy, you know, a white guy who maybe has half as many credits a chance because they want to try him out. They want to break him. They want to be like, we got him first. Uh-huh. But when you're a black act, they want to you you need to be damn near like Tiffany Haddish. They want you to have that name already before right. they book you because they want to make sure that you're going to sell out every single show. Well, who sells out every show? I know, but that's just the expectation. Oh, wait, I do. No. Oh, yeah, you do. No, I don't, actually. <laughs> I just had to make the most so, um, joke you knew I was going to make. Yeah. No, but I think it's just it's just a little bit harder for um, for me to get into clubs. So like, I'll, I'll be going out and doing, like, one-nighters here and there. They wanted, they just, you know, it's just the obstacle of the game. What was the, uh, what was the TV, what TV have you done? You mentioned the TV. Um, I was on Last Comic Standing. Oh, Last right. Comic Standing season eight when they brought it back. It was hosted by JB Smooth and executive produced by Wanda Sykes and Paige Hurwitz. Uh, Roseanne Barr was a judge. Oh, Roseanne, it was Roseanne Barr, Russell Brand, and Keenan Ivory Waynes. Those were our judges. Who gave you the best uh, notes or critique? They all gave me good critiques. I think Roseanne. Roseanne was like the comics comic on that show. Like yeah. she was like, "Fuck the production." This is a good joke, you know. Like she would do shit. Right. And she lost her mind, but um, but she gave good, like encouraging comedian advice versus it, telling us what they want to see. She was telling us what we would want as comics to hear. Right. Um, so I did last comic standing. I did this week at the cellar, which was on Comedy Central. I was on the nightly show with Larry Wilmore. A couple panel appearances. I've done MTV, True TV, other stuff that's gotten canceled. So. Do you think it got canceled because of you? No, it didn't get canceled because of me. I was on one show though, <laughs> well, and was good. Um, it was like this one show. I was excited because it was like a it was like a sketch talking head show, and so I was like one of the cast members. And they did like the first season, and then they just stopped calling me, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm not on the show. And then it got canceled anymore. But that's just Hollywood. That's just I know showbiz is rough, right? It is rough. I mean, it is really rough when you think about it. But that's also what you have to really ask yourself: Why are you getting into this? I didn't get into comedy to do show business. So that's, did, wow, that's an interesting statement. Yeah, no, not at all. What did you get into it for? I got into comedy because I, before I was a comedian, I was a, a journalist. That's right for the Voice, a, right? Yeah, Village I was Voice. A, I was a Village Voice staff writer. I was an editor at uh, Vibe Magazine, Source Magazine. So I, I worked in editorial. I worked in newspapers. I worked in digital spaces. I did that for over ten years. So when I got into comedy, it was really just me not being able to say what the fuck was on my mind for over ten years, and I just had it. I used it as a release to have an opinion because you know I come from the school of journalism like it's not about your opinion you're supposed to be very very you know objective objective right? like super objective like I wouldn't even write myself in the story you know how people read a story or article now and it was like right. so I'm sitting here with Rihanna drinking co- I would never oh, even, even like a, a 
feature type piece? Yeah, a feature. I would never write myself into it. I would say I would I would talk about myself if if something happened and I was crucial to telling that part of the story. I would make myself like a third party, not a fake person, but I would just like you know this reporter. Th- yeah, with with a reporter. I wouldn't say with me close. I would never put myself in it. And so to never speak about yourself. Um, in first person to then having a medium where it's all about your experiences felt very freeing uh-huh. and it really did help me because I was at the point where with journalism I was burnt out and then the industry was changing like how it is now like this was 10 years ago so 10 years ago the industry changed the you know the digital space kind of faltered and people were losing jobs left and right I lost my job at Village Voice because of the recession that's when the um, the Obama were you there when it was a print magazine I was there when it was print. Were you there when they? I used to love. I used to get excited about buying it on a Wednesday. Yeah, and then it was. And then it became free. Yeah, then it became yeah. free, and then. Yeah, I was there. I was there with legends. I was there with. I was there with Michael Musto. Chris Gow. Yeah, with Liz, um, Lynn Yeager, Nat Hintoff. Um, I used to like his column. Yes. Oh, let me tell you, I've never met him because he never he never came to the office. So when I got there, Nat Hintoff is a legendary columnist. He's but he was right near since I believe damn near day one. Like yeah. he was there forever, and he was so old that he would literally write his column out on like legal paper and pencil, uh-huh. and then fax it in. And then one of the assistants would have to type up his column for the week every week. I'm surprised he had a fax machine. Yeah. Oh, of course he has a fax machine. Even Michael Jackson had a fax machine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he had a fax machine. But but, and then I was there with, you know, so many great investigative reporters. So I learned a lot, a lot about journalism, a lot about storytelling, a lot about not taking no for an answer. And I did think, you ever write about stand up before you did it? No. That's a great question. I just asked you. It was a great, great That's question. A, a hard hitting one. Yeah. I never wrote about comedy. I wasn't I wasn't I never thought about it. But then when I look back on your life, I do believe firmly that your life gives you glimpses of what your future is going to be. Uh, if you pay attention. And so when I was a kid, I remember my mom used to let me watch uh, Def Comedy Jam Marathon every New Year's Eve, uh, HBO would play a marathon of uh-huh. Def Comedy Jam. <laughs> and my, me and my best friend, we would have a sleepover every year. It was just known every year. She would come over to my house on New Year's Eve and we would stay up late. We would sit in our matching pajamas. How and old watch. It was. This is from like, I want to say 11 to 13. So your mom didn't care about all the profanity. No, this was the one night. The you one night it. I got to watch it. <laughs> your cheat night. Yeah, my cheat night. And I would watch it. And so that was like my first glimpse of comedy and then didn't pay any attention to it again. And when I got to college, I went to NYU and I would walk around campus and I would walk by the cellar all the time. And I knew yeah. some of the comics because like they would like flirt with the girls on the basketball team and like they would just hang out with each other. I'm not trying to call nobody out. But um, so I would see <laughs> call people. Call someone out for flirting. Yeah. 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 No, because they would come. They would get signed because because I lived in Hayden Hall, which I think is renamed now, but it's right down the block from the cellar. So the younger comics would right. like, you know, hook up with some of the girls so that they could stay in the dorm and then be able to go and do their spots. And Seriously? Dead serious. I've worked at the cellar a long time. I've never met anyone who was like, hey, I found this great way to get a room near the yeah. uh, cellar. Because they, like, they had to, a basketball player. They had to, they had to keep it hush hush. They had to keep it hush. So yeah. So I they, think you're making shit up. I'm not. I'll tell you later. I'm okay. not. Yeah. Right. Keith Robinson can confirm this story. Um, and so they would I would just see them in the in the dorm and be like yeah that's the guy yeah I guess he's a comic so I would just get glimpses of things that just and now I'm working at the cellar so I it just happened kind of 
but I allowed it to happen. I wasn't resistant to it. Like I took stand, I took a stand up comedy class. You did because I just wanted to get into broadcast journalism. That's the real reason why I did it. I wanted to be able to speak on my feet and be quick and you know funny and ask good questions. Just mix like comedy into what I already did as a journalist. I don't journalist. believe in stand up classes. Why not? I just think. Uh it's not something that you I mean there's guidance you could get and mm-hmm. some of the teachers are I mean I know some comics who are friends of mine who, who've done it yeah. have taught and uh, I'm still friends with them I guess but <laughs> but I just feel like a lot of it is like anyone it's like you see like writing workshops advertised in New York and like you don't know who's anyone could write, teach a writing workshop it's not like it's not like licensing necessary or or it's not like becoming yeah. a dermatologist or something where you just can't just say you're doing it. For sure. It is definitely, like I'm trying to think, my class had, I think we started with 25 people in the class. And it was, I want to say six weeks, maybe six to eight weeks. You met once a week. The class was like four hours. And at the end, you had a graduation show. Out of those 25 people, only one other person I know actually still does comedy. Right. And but I think for the for most of them it was just a, it was it was never going to be a thing where they got on stage regularly. But I do think that if you have the interest and you have the talent cuz there is some talent that is associated with stand up comedy. Hey, look who you're talking to. I know you're so blessed. <laughs> um I think that you have you do benefit from things that people don't tell you. Like the things that I learned in that class, I another comic would not have told me from the gate. You know, like the whole fact of like, okay, you can go to clubs and say, hey, I'm a comic and most clubs will let you go and sit in, you know, like things like that, that a comic. With the money you saved, if you didn't take the comedy class, you could have just bought tickets. Yeah, it's not the same though. (laughs) That is true. I don't even know how much. So that's like like a big takeaway from the comedy class is that they taught you that you can get into comedy. No, it was just, it was just when you say it like that, it sounds terrible. It does sound awful. um, I think it just, you know what it is? I think because I started later. I started comedy at 29. I already had a career. I approached it like an academic. Yeah, and so I get that. it worked for me that way. I would, I, me personally, I wouldn't have felt comfortable at that point in my life in my career to just start bumming and hanging around. You know what I'm saying? Like I just approached it right. a little bit differently. And so I think if you are of that mindset, then the classes can work. For you. I just think it's a thing that I would recommend someone just you just got to do it and you'll figure figure it out or not figure it out. Yeah. But having someone like critique your jokes and telling like from the get go, I don't know if is is a because you don't know who's critiquing you whether they're dubious. Well, I had a good I had a good act. teacher. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask later. I don't want to reveal. Okay. Yeah. But uh, well, we're going to do a lot of gossipy stuff once these mics <laughs> get shut off. It's going to get good. Maybe I'll sell that for bonus content. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, I mean, how much would you pay to find out the name of the Chloe Hilliard's comedy class instructor? <laughs> I'm going to say $10. Um, so where was your first set? Our graduation class was at the old comics on West 14th Street. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was a good club for a while. That was a really good club yeah. for a while. And, and it was a packed show. I had like, I personally had like 40 people come to see that show. I am kind of surprisingly... You wouldn't believe this, but pro bringer show. You are not pro bringer. Not like I think it's a great thing, but I think it's a not as bad as it sounds thing. It depends. See, I would rather do. I would rather. I'm trying to think if I would do the like if I didn't do the class, would I do the bringers? I mean, I I think there it, it, in some ways it is kind of a ripoff, but it's also I feel like sometimes you you like 
you see these people are on a bringer show and they're doing a show for 250 people. It's like, that's not going to happen anywhere no, else. It's not going to happen. I think if you do bringer shows, which is a uh, bringer show is you have to bring anywhere from like five to 10, 15 people yeah. to come to the show and everybody brings. So the audience is jam packed. But I think if you do it with a great intention. So whenever I did bring a shows, I did it because I wanted to get a good tape. Right. That's that's another. Yeah. Example that's of like if you. Begin. Yeah. But I wouldn't do. I mean, I did a, a fair share of bringers and then I hosted bringer shows, which is which is brutal. Yeah. It, it gives you put like this. Everything that I did gave me a good lesson and then I was able to apply it. I don't think I did anything in my comedy career that was kind of a waste of time. Right. I also think for the bringer shows, let me amend my uh, speech about them. <laughs> I think like a limited amount. Like I wouldn't be like, just always do bringer shows, no. but they're like making a tape yeah. playing for a rear car. But then there's, uh, you know, who's going to, who has 15 friends every week? Oh, who, you who, exhaust them out. Yeah. That's my favorite, a, uh, my favorite occurrence at bringer shows is the guy who, Brings a hundred people from the office and oh. then eats shit in front of them. Of course, <laughs> like they applaud them. They're like, "Nope, not gonna, can't can't yep. fake laugh for this." Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't love it, but there's part of the, the Schadenfreude-ish part of me. <laughs> you guys can look that word up at home. It's like when you watch an Olympic uh, ice skater eat it, and you're just like, "Oh man!" Oh really? See that? I think's mean. That you think? Fit no, like? I only watch to see them fall. Really? I do. Oh, I only watch to see them fall. That's it. That's shameful. Gymnasts too. I only watch to see them fall. Really? Yeah. Who I was wants about to, to see say a perfect score? I want to see that seven point two. I was about to say that's like wanting to watch a comic bomb, and then I realized I just kind of just said that's <laughs> that is what I did. So I can't be that much of a hypocrite. You're writing a book, right? I am writing a book. I'm writing a book uh, with the same publishing company that you wrote oh your book God. with. Really? I know. Yeah. We can trade notes. You broke the mold. I did. I got. I'm the first guy to. Yeah. I broke the, the first comic mold. ever to <laughs> get a book. A... <laughs> <laughs> uh, my book is called Fuck Your Diet and Other Things My Thighs Tell Me. Oh, my God. I know. I think that's a winner of a title. Thank you. Like, I feel like that you're good for 10,000 books just with that oh, title. From your mouth to the reader's ears. I, um, I am really excited about this book. I'm in the middle of edits right now. Uh-huh. It's actually available for pre-order. Cause that's it what is. That's what we get. I heard the pre-orders are important. Yes, the pre-orders are very important. They do this thing now um, because the industry is has to adjust to just people aren't ravenous readers like that. They give you a good lead time before your book actually drops. So hopefully that you can cure that many um, sales. So when it actually drops, it's a bestseller. Because um, yeah. when you, and also the crazy thing about book bestselling is it's not a lot of it's a lot of books in like the everyday comprehension of numbers, but in entertainment sales, book sales are not a lot. So like for book sales, a book sale to be a bestseller, it could be anywhere legit from like five thousand to ten thousand copies. Right. And when you think about album sales, like if you imagine releasing an album and you only got like five thousand to ten thousand sales, yeah. you're like that was a dud. But in a book, that's a bestseller, right? So did you come up with the title? Or did I did. I came up with the title. I came up with the cover Did you get concept. any resistance for the title? No, they love I said it, and I didn't think it would go. And my agent and the editor was like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then when we came up with the subtitle, I wrote that. I was like, another thing's about the eyes tell me. And I was like, we could just hold that. They was like, no, that's it. We like that. I was like, okay. That's good. Not a, mm. No battle there, huh? None. Are they going to put a little asterisk under the, yeah, the U? Yeah, the U. The U has an asterisk. So if you if you Google it, it's F asterisk CK. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, it's it's you can't have everything at this point. It's just like you might as well just show the nipple. Because I saw that. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised. Like I saw that. Where's that book? The subtle art of not giving yeah. a fuck. And I see that at airports. Mm-hmm. There's like there's a book, and there's like this little kid looking at it or something. Yeah, that, like, that book. I has, was surprised that that they would do that at an airport where you feel like they're just gonna. Well, not I think make waves. I think in this day and age, for us to still censor words is yes. the dumbest shit ever. Yeah. Like I mean, I'm gonna censor your title, but yeah, but I feel like it's <laughs> dumb. It's dumb because you just. That's the least of our problems. Our words, like curse words, are yeah. the least of our problems. Right. People, and I think yeah. un- adults know that when you curse, it's it's not it doesn't have that gravity that you know. You look at other countries; they have curse words in their nightly like programming and their like TV shows. People are cursing. They show partial nudity, and they're and, fine. And we like a lot of airlines here. Like edit the movies. Like seriously, mm-hmm. I'm watching it on a little screen that like yeah. I can't watch this. Yeah. I'm not. You're not blasting it for the whole plane the worst part was like after 9-11 when they took like all bomb references out like even and um there's a biggie song and they b- deleted like when he says blow up like the world trade because he was talking about <laughs> but he was talking about the first world trade incident like the oh. first bombing in like like 90 something like yeah. when i was in high school and so ever since they took out bombs so when you see me like come on all right come on me like me watching a movie with terrorists who bomb up shit is not the same thing as a fucking bomb going off not to mention the terrorists in this movie are all stereotypically muslim so why don't you delete that shit if you're worried about offending people yeah but i remember flying an airline somewhere out of the country and they they had a movie description, and it's like, the sex scenes in this are some of the best. Like, I what? couldn't imagine going on, like, Delta and them going, oh the sex gosh. scenes in this. Like, they just, <laughs> they treated you like an adult. It's yeah, like, oh. that's the problem here. We aren't treated like adults. Yeah, it's always funny when you see, like, a newscaster, and they're like, and then the person said, and I'm not allowed, this is a word I can't say. It's like, really, like, shit? Yeah. Well, when we were quoting, like, the N-word in news, and the, you would have to, this whole, like, big prelude, like, well, you know, th- they said it, so, I mean, should we even say that they said it? Yeah, that, that was a part of the news story. Right. That's why you're doing the stories, because they said the N-word. Exactly. So, say the fucking N-word, like, just... They said something, we can't tell you what they said, though. Yeah. That's the news. We're juvenile. This country has this false sense of, like... You know, this elite, not elitism, but this like sense of like moral high ground, which is completely fabricated. Right. And now we are being subjected to idiots who are using this construed viewpoint of religion, which is really white supremacy, to like do checks and balances. And it's ridiculous. It's mind blowing when you hear people have conversations and talk about wanting to save America and how they have connected it to, you know, um, this evangelical Christian ideology, which is ass backwards. And it's like the people who go so hard for this idea of like Israel and coming to Jesus and Trump is ordained by God. He was picked by God. Like when you hear this, we're like, motherfucker, you don't have a passport. You ain't going <laughs> in a holy land. Shut the fuck up and eat your Arby's. I'm sorry. We're sponsored by Arby's. So this is awkward. Uh, my, my family owns Arby's. I know. Um, yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Todd and I had this idea for a show, a web series called... Oh, I don't know if we should reveal that. Oh, you want to do it one day? We should do that. Yeah, okay. Uh, If you would like to see us uh, crisscross the country and uh, handle the problems of the day, Todd Berry and myself, leave a comment and let (laughs) us know that you would watch it. I don't know where they're going to leave that comment, but... uh, There's comments, right? There's a comment section. Yeah. Is there really? Oh my God. You don't even check the platforms of which your show is on. I mean, maybe they're on. I know there's iTunes reviews. 
Yeah. Let's hear more about your book. What's the essence of your book? Uh, my book is a collection of funny and not so funny essays about uh, my experience with body image and body weight. And I just try to make the connection between how we eat in this country and how we view f- food with social and political policies that, you know, have shaped what we eat and how we eat. Um, just growing up in Brooklyn, New York, I grew up in a, a food desert, which is which is specified as like if you have to travel a mile or more to get. I've never like, heard that term, food desert. A food desert, yeah. If you have to travel a mile or more to get a, to a grocery store, you live in a food desert. Oh, man. And ironically, a lot of Americans live in food deserts in all over the country, which is why Walmart does so well, because you can just plop in a Walmart and you can fix all these grocery needs. And, um, fix all your needs at Walmart. All your needs at Walmart, yeah. So uh, there's, there's that aspect. Then when you think about how we don't have access to health the organic whole foods you end up having fast food a lot and so you have people who live in poor communities who don't have supermarkets but they have every single happy meal discount you know easy fast food thing at their disposal and how that just sets the roller coaster rolling for how you eat and view food Um, and then dieting I did a shit ton of diets like I was on diets when I was like in elementary school because I was fat my mother didn't know what to do so those types of things that we and you know we embrace thinking that you're helping someone but you're really not what's your eating regimen now right now i am i'm actually a pretty clean eater like i have my moments but for the most part i would say on average i eat i eat like a vegetarian diet really yeah i'll i'll dabble i'll do vegan every once in a while uh, if i'm like you know trying to like really go detox myself but you'll dabble in veganism from vegetarianism yeah yeah for sure (laughs) it's strict it's it's a big leap (laughs) it's a big leap and then um and then i also give myself like a cheats like i definitely eat turkey on thanksgiving like that's my like my one day nice burger you know i didn't ever i never really liked red meat growing up anyway so i don't really crave burgers and then i realized that um i do this thing called eat right for your blood type it's a a book and this philosophy that each type each blood type um, needs different types of food diets to sustain itself do you think that book was originally called fuck your blood type yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so you eat right for your blood. I, I don't even think I know what my blood type is. I, I think um, it's AB negative, but. Oh, I'm, I'm type A. Should I be drinking a. this water that I'm yeah, drinking? Yeah, water's fine. Um, I'm a type A. A is, A says that you should be a vegetarian or vegan. And then, and, and within that, it also tells you specific foods that work for your body and against your body. And the foods that they listed that work against my body were very accurate. And so I was like, I'm sold on this. Uh, do you eat out a lot? I try not to eat out. And if I do, it's normally healthy. I haven't been in a fast food. I haven't ordered fast food in at least like 70 years. I haven't been into. What if you're on the road and that's all you got? If I absolutely have to eat and I'm starving on the road, I will go to Taco Bell and get a bean burrito with no cheese. Really? Yeah, I can I can sustain myself. I can I know every I can get oatmeal from McDonald's, no milk. I can get Starbucks, McDonald's. I mean, not, I mean, I can get oatmeal from Starbucks as well. I can go hit up like a smoothie place. Um, any Asian like when Ooh. I'm on the road, I eat a lot of Asian food, a lot of Chinese, a lot of Thai, because I know I can just get vegetables. Like it's really just like getting down. Like, can I get something green on my plate? Right. And it's hard. It's really hard. Like I've gone to places and I ordered a salad and it came up with a half a pound of shredded cheese on top. 
And I was like, who the fuck does that? And they were like, that's what we do here. Yeah. And you're just like, I can't. And so th- that's what I'm talking. I talk about like how we eat in America and how it affects us. And then also, you know, the mental and physical things that are a result of our diets, like, you know, mental well-being, mental health, dietary restrictions, health, cancer, heart disease, all that stuff is connected to how we eat in this country. And also there was an explosion of obesity like in the 80s and night, like in the 80s when Reagan was president, he rolled back a lot of food restrictions in public school systems. So it was really, you had to have like a good quality of meat for kids. And then because he wanted to cut corners, he allowed it so that you can put more soy and filler into hamburgers. And so then, and he tried to categorize uh, ketchup as a, as a, as a vegetable. Uh, yeah, that's a very famous thing he yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, it failed because it was like... Was there more to that story or was that something? Because I always thought maybe there's more to that. Well, than... he tried. they tried to pass it and they got such a big pushback that he didn't. But then other things were allowed. So like, you know, a burger could now be like 50% or more filled with soy beans. And yeah. so then, you know, now they're pushing milk because the milk farmers of America like, well, we want to get rid of this milk. So yeah, now they put milk on every fucking yeah. tray. They do commercials, drink milk with your dinner. You know, like... no. You shouldn't be drinking milk. You should not be drinking milk. It I does remember not when work I was a kid, my, my dad wanted me to drink like multiple glasses of milk a day. And mm-hmm. This was a long time ago. And then I think we went to a doctor and they're like, I think the doctor said milk is for cows. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I want that one. Yeah. But, but, but <laughs> even to this day, it's like still drink, well, you know, still drink milk. So even now, you know, there's things that people are smartening up to and being like, maybe this isn't the best option for us to eat this way. And you see so many alternative milks now and alternative meats now, but... um, Do you like spicy? I don't really like spicy. See, I feel like that's the only way to get through that terrible diet that you have. You, I saw you eat. (laughs) You love spicy food. You love... He had like a whole side of sriracha with your milk. Oh, yeah. I can't. I'm a tough guy. No, I like the nuance of flavor, not just heat. There is sometimes, though, I've noticed, like, where I'll be like, hey, maybe just a little dash yeah. Fl- chili flakes. Let's see it. Now we can enjoy the full, but then. Sometime. When did you get into spicy foods? I don't know. I don't know. Is that, is that something people remember the exact day? Or yeah. Like you remember when there's a <laughs> turning well, it was, point. It was a rainy day. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I just accidentally bought red pepper. And <laughs> uh, that was, I was being very sarcastic with you. I apologize. A, I don't remember. I've, I've always liked it. And there's been times I've had a few scares where like I start feeling pain. I'm like. Oh, I'm gonna wait. I know I'm gonna go to the doctor, and they're gonna say you can never have spicy food again. Wow! But, but then you get past it, and you're spicing it up. Oh wow! What do you, so do you cook? I do cook. I don't cook as much as I would like to, and I also cook very simple meals because I'm just cooking for myself. Like I'm, I'm not doing gourmet recipe stuff. I can, but like if I just have to get in and eat, I'm just making like a vegetable, a starch, and like something. A starch. Else. Yeah. What's the rules on starch? Um, I think it all depends on, you know, not doing too much. See, the thing is, like, once you start getting into the nuances of, like, how our, our blood types are different, it's really hard. And I think it's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very, like, not good. I hate to say it like that. What's the word? It's like, it's not, it's not <laughs> beneficial. It's not beneficial to do blanket statements when it comes to how people should eat because we are very different and I think blood, t- blood types play into that. So for wow, some you're people- You're pushing this blood types thing hard. I, I Because I think it it's, it seems really solid. Like when I tell you the things that it told me not to eat and those are the things that I notice that I have reactions to. And that's the other thing is like, we have reactions to foods and we just ignore it. 
And so it's really your body being like, we don't like this shit. Stop eating it. Uh-huh. Like I can't eat bananas. Bananas give me massive heartburn. Eat gluten. I'm not, I really shouldn't eat gluten. Bananas give me massive boredom. <laughs> I like two bananas. bites and I'm like, oh, I just like, I, I can't I eat a whole banana. I don't like it. I don't like banana pudding. That's ugh, nasty. Now that's fascinating here because fast, here's a fascinating thing about myself is that I actually like banana pudding. Mm-mm. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. <laughs> That's beyond interesting. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Whoa. Whose podcast is this? Listen, uh, I get to ask one question. I was born in the Bronx, moved to upstate New York for a few years, moved to South Florida, went to college in North Central Florida, moved back to New York City. Mm. You can tell I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> I fucking rattled it off robotic-like. Do you... Um, so how... How, are you working hard on your book? It I'm seems in, like you are because it was yeah. hard to pin you down again. Yeah, I'm in edits right now. It, the, the What's editing, your editing? Do you print? Do you print it out like literally on paper? No, I think that's helpful. I, it is helpful, and I probably should have or done that. Or for me, that. it's helpful. I should say. I have not done that. Do you have um, a printer? I do have a printer. I don't have ink. <laughs> I have a joke about that. Um, I do a joke about. I say, um, I walk in my neighborhood. My, I have a dog. I started walking my dog in my neighborhood and I would start seeing missing cat posters. And I was like, you know, there's nothing that says more generational wealth than having a, a printer with ink in it at yeah. home. That's how you know your neighborhood is changing because your neighbors have pr- ink money. <laughs> <laughs> ink is expensive. It's fucking expensive. So I've had a printer, but I just haven't had ink. I feel like you should buy some ink since you're an author. I know. And, I'm going to do, you and know. And then you write that shit off. I'm going to do it. I'm going you call to. call your county, you go, Hey, yep. 60 bucks for the ink. Amazon today, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get me some ink. I got to take my printer out, dust it off, plug it up. I'm so I'm happy with out. my printer. I, I almost want to say their name out loud. Yeah. Because I've had a bunch of shitty printers, but then I got it. You know what I got that was a blessing? I got a scanner. I got like that Really? That slim. I had used to have one of those multi. No, this is, that's why I don't use my printer at all because I got this portable scanner. It's like the what size. What are you scanning? It's the size of like a, a like a. 10 inch ruler and then you can sl- individually slide pages in and scan it but what are you scanning like things that you have to sign you know can, i know but you got to print do, the stuff out you can do that online now, now i know now i don't even use the scanner that, that's that's what i'm talking about it's been so long since i used my printer because i found something can we give the scanner away on, right on the, on the air <laughs> <laughs> will you, you sign have, it a portable scanner yeah you can have it um but so, the the hard part, the hardest part has been doing edits. Like yeah. writing the first draft, you felt very accomplished and like, oh, I did it. And then you get those notes back and they're like, so pick between your two favorite phrases. And you're just like, fuck. I gotta. Were they brutal notes or were they? No, they weren't brutal notes. I didn't get, because for my book, I got pretty like gentle. There was nothing where I was like, what are you talking about? No, there's nothing <laughs> like that either. But there were things where it's like, explain more here. And you're yeah. just like, ah. Oh. Because also because I'm writing about my, my, my life to date and dealing with a lot of like the probably, not probably, but for sure repressed emotions I had about being, because I was bullied as a kid. I was fat. I was overweight. Uh-huh. I'm six one. I've been this height since I was 12. Really? Yes. So that you're changes. You're taller than me. Oh, I'm much taller than you, Tom. Oh. I know. You're a giant in oh. legend, but in reality, um, <laughs> it's quite shorty. different. <laughs> so I've been this height since I was 12. I've been overweight. Uh, you know, when I was 12, I wore a size 12 women's shoe. You know, like I was a big girl. So a lot of those things that I dealt with be, was being bullied and being overlooked or being invisible because of my size. I had to dig into all that shit to write this book. So when I got through with the first draft, it felt very cathartic and like a release. Did you I take got a little break? Page. Oh, after I wrote the book? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I 
when I had to finish it up to meet my deadline, I I didn't perform for like two months. Yeah, I wasn't on the stage. I was just you know writing at home. You write at home, huh? No coffee shops for you. I'm gonna go to a coffee shop today because I'm in a city and I want to get some more stuff done, but. I'm going to go check out the new fancy big Starbucks. There's a big one. You're going to go to a Starbucks? Man? It's a Starbucks reserve. Oh, with the, with the more subtle signage. I know. I've seen, there's one in Seattle. I've seen yeah, it's like, well, it's, this is but a... it's a huge, massive thing, and they have like a, a restaurant, and they have bartenders. What neighborhood there, are you going to? I don't know. i got to look it up. I could tell you some other places you could go. Okay, good. But... Yeah, I'm down. I don't, even drink, I don't drink coffee, so it doesn't matter about the coffee. Really? Mm-mm, hate coffee. You hate coffee? hate it. Really? Tea? I do do... I like tea. Nice iced tea? I do. I like sweet tea, though. Oh yeah, yeah, Southern style. Yeah, that sweet tea is almost hilariously sweet. When, like it if is. you go, get it in Georgia, it's a treat. Like to me, I it's will like, get it's. I would get a dessert. I would just get sweet tea. I wouldn't get like anything else. Oh that, that's God, like a treat so for the day. A squeeze of lemon in it. Shit. I know. Where, so where are you born? Where are we born? Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Yeah, but my my mom's family's from the South, South Carolina. My dad's family's from Indiana. Okay. So I'm American American. You're. You're yeah. fuck, you're an American man. Apple pie, collard greens. What um when is your book due? My book, uh, this edit was due last Monday. Uh, but Ooh. I got an extension because I had to deal with some stuff. Um, but yeah, when I finish it'll be turned in. Isn't it funny that people can pre order your book that we're <laughs> basically saying right now isn't even written yet? I know. That's amazing. The but lead that, time. The lead time, but it's necessary. Did you get any good blurbs? No, not yet. I mean, all that stuff is coming. Yeah, not for me, it ain't. You are going to give me a blurb. I'll write you a blurb. Yeah. Sure. I charge $700. That's my blurb. I found the key. I got some good people, heavy hitters, doing some blurbs for me. Yeah. Basically, the key is to tell them they don't have to read the book. Then you're like, oh. Mm. You don't have to write about pretend you read this book. Yeah, just write about me. Todd's an asshole, and then you're like, there, we got it. Oh, that's perfect. Did you have a cover blurb on your book? Was it? Yeah, Sarah Silverman. Oh. It was just a quote. Yeah. yeah. Just, but uh, but I got Weird Al to write a blurb. Oh, he read the book. I told jokingly said, read this within 24 hours. And he wrote to me because I actually did read this within 24 hours. Wow. But uh, yeah, which is nice. But enough about me. Yeah. Let's, let's write this blurb right now. But yeah, what would you so what is your yeah, what would you write about me? You haven't read the book, you just heard, heard about book. it and you know me, you know I'm an I'd amazing. Be like, I don't encourage books that have profanities in the title. <laughs> but if I did <laughs> you want serious quotes though. You don't want comic quotes. No, I want comic quotes. How funny is the book? Like I don't mean No, like, it is really I funny. Mean, I mean it's funny. There's more it's it's funny where when it makes sense, you know, like I'm not making super light of things that are kinda like hev like heavier, right. but I think on you know, out of on a scale of one to ten, it's like overall funny, like seven. Seven. Yeah. So seven on the funny. Yeah. Maybe don't use that as a, a blurb. No, I mean no, I mean like not <laughs> it's seven. It's a seven out of ten. Everyone. No, says the like actual this, author. How I about know this? Seventy percent. I would say seventy percent. I know the way I phrased it. I, then I twisted the way I phrased it. No, it's because okay. you know what I meant. I meant like yeah. uh, How much of it is funny? You would be a great uh, stand-up teacher. You should do it. Can you imagine? I mean, not to be a jerk, but can you imagine? I mean fucking students I would get it yeah like a big gun like me yeah with a podcast first of all and they're paying they're all paying $300 for the class I would be like uh, hi everyone welcome to the class uh, go on stage write some jokes and uh, <laughs> if the audience laughs that's when you know you've written a good joke you guys congratulations <laughs> you graduated and I have your money <laughs> 
you gotta like walk them through it a little bit. People just want to be assisted. But I, I, I feel, and I love we're back into this conversation again. But uh, I, I sometimes, sometimes like assisting people is not what they want. I mean, mm-hmm. what they actually will assist them is not what they want to hear. They want to be like, I want to know everyone to do who to call. Wait, because we cause this is why this is why this conversation is interesting because we were sitting down talking. Uh, Todd and I actually do talk in real life when Seriously? we see each other. Please don't. I, I will cut that out. And um, and you mentioned how you were somewhere and someone asked you to watch your set. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's like it's like it's, that makes me uncomfortable, man. <laughs> like it, it's like I'm not suddenly tell me if I suck or not. I don't know you. I'm not going to tell you whether you suck or not. No, but you can tell if someone's not funny if you know them or not. But I mean, I'm just, for a stranger to ask me to do that, it made me feel uncomfortable. And it's happened before. Yeah, they're a stranger to you, but you're not a stranger to them. I understand that, but that they should see things in both, they should see both sides of it. It's like, first, also like, oh, I should, I have to drop everything I'm doing to go watch you now? Like, First of all, the problem is that whenever people see you, you look so relaxed, so they think that maybe you have a moment to spare. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I was the same way on some level. You, you, you do jerky, not jerky, but just awkward things that you think are going to help because you feel uncomfortable and you're looking at other comics getting on. You're like, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Even though you, you probably can't to the extent that you think you can. But when did you know that you could do this? Second uh, question of the podcast coming from Chloe Hillier. Uh, this, why don't we, I'll just give you the tapes and this could be, <laughs> you could split this up and this will be your podcast and my podcast. Uh-huh. When did I know what? When did you know that you can do it? Every like because thinking that you can do something but then having that like aha moment when you're in the moment and you're like I'm I'm really I'm really doing this thing. I mean my honestly my first set went very well. Mhm. It's just the way it was. I've since had horrifying sets. <laughs> so it's not like I killed from the get go and haven't stopped killing yet. Yeah. Um although it's sort of like that. No, I uh I don't know. At some point you just I guess after a few shows, a few hundred shows, or a few, thousand, say a few yeah, hundred years, shows, right? and you're like, oh, I know. Sometimes you have these sets where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of good at this. Then you have other sets where you're like, I, what am I doing up there? Yeah. I would say for me, it was a couple of years. I remember when I first got into it, and, and I, the thing is, like, I attacked comedy like a student. Like, I'm enrolling in this process, and I want to see what the payoff is. Yeah, and I'm going to make sure that there's a payoff. It wasn't like, oh, I just whatever way it goes, I just figure. No, on, I was like, this is what my goals are, and these are the things that I need to do. This is the places I need to be. These are people I need to kind of interact with. People I need to watch. And I remember when I first was getting into it, and I asked a person I know who's a comic. I knew them before they got into comedy because we both worked in media and they were like yeah you're not going to be funny until like your eighth or ninth year and I was like watch yeah that's see, that's the type of thing I mean that was all along the lines of ass watching telling someone to watch they're asking yeah. you to watch it's like they don't like that's something they're not going to want to hear mm-hmm. they're going to want to oh, I'm going to buy nine years I'm going to own the world like, yeah. oh, but do you believe it's really eight or nine years though I mean on some level that's like a fun thing to say I've heard ten years but I think it does take a long time to get really good I mean because mm-hmm. if someone I don't know you're just not as good as you think you are at the beginning and and also like are you going to still maintain are you going to be doing the same five minutes you did for yeah. six years but I think it does take it because in 10 years you've performed in every possible situation mm-hmm. um, or I think, a lot of possible situations I think mine's was a little bit it, 
a little bit sped up because I've done colleges. I've been in. Well, that counts as doing comedy. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying when you say being in every situation, oh, yeah, yeah. like if I was just going out and doing clubs, I wouldn't have hit as many demographics as I have doing these colleges because right. I've been in some crazy environments. Crazy. <laughs> Give me one and then we got to go. Oh, man. Um, the craziest show I did, I did the show where... Probably 40% of the audience was shit-faced drunk. They had been drinking, like, and they weren't supposed to be drunk. Yeah, I've and it, done 3,000 shows like that, but Yeah, but these, are, but these are, like, 18-year-old boys. Yeah, I, I did boys. One, a college that was brutal once. Yeah, and, and I'm, like, in some place where, you know, they're wearing those, like, like those small frame glass, you know, like the racist sunglasses that they wear yeah. with, the, <laughs> with the string across yeah, the back yeah, yeah, yeah. and the hat and the camo and... And it's like they're drunk and to the point where I had to get mean, mean. Like, I don't ever want to get mean at kids because I'm a grown. They don't realize how old I am. They don't realize I'm a grown ass woman. Yeah. So they'll say shit that's like definitely not above board because they're trying to heckle me. And normally I would try to defuse the situation. But they were so drunk that I had to go in and I literally went to the advisor and I was like, listen, I'm about to cuss these motherfuckers out. So just letting you know right now. Well, she, you went to the advisor. Like the advisor was. On, okay, I thought you went like, to the office. Oh, no, 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 no. Like the advisor was like in. <laughs> I would have been a fucking extra oh, God, I'm like, stay right here. Stay right kids. here. Where's the advisor's office? Oh, yeah. it's in the next three buildings over? Okay. Uh. Um, and so I had to just like, I could see her and she was like, no, go ahead. Like, go have fun. Okay. And so that's the other thing is like some people want to be brutalized and that's never my intention to get on stage and attack an audience. Right. Even if you're terrible, I won't, I don't want to like go for like your mother's a whore. You know, like I don't want to do that shit. It, it's not fun for me, but I had to, I had to lay them out. And at the end they were like, you were so funny. And I was like, yeah, but why do I have to beat y'all up? Yeah. That's not fun for me. I think some people just go into stand up audi- audience members saying, you know, this is a battle and uh, it's me against the stand up. And it is. But then there's artists like me and you. Yeah, I'm not. Don't say me and you. Like, okay, you and I. <laughs> no, I'm saying like I'm not on your level. So, hey, it's not about that. <laughs> You're right, but it's not. I'm being something honest. I would have brought up. Yeah. I mean, I probably would. I probably will bring it up again. Yeah. Do you? Have, where should? Where can people find you? Your book is on Amazon. It is on Amazon. Fuck your diet. Fuck your diet. Fuck F asterisk C K your diet. But you can go to F the letter F. And then your diet, all spelled out, dot com, and everything is there. Uh, you can see my beautiful cover. You can read about me. You can pre-order the book. You can see where I'm going to be performing at. You can also go to chloehilliard.com. They all, con- the, the, both sites are connected. If you go to yeah. chloehilliard.com or F, the letter F, your diet.com. Why didn't you get fuckyourdiet.com? It was, um, someone owned it and it was like a couple thousand dollars to yeah. get it. So I was like, and also F, your diet is better for telling people to do it and announcing it and putting it on shit. That's true. You could say that on Good Morning America. Yeah. Oh, you you got to think ahead. You thought ahead on this I, one. Yeah. Do see? you have any dates you want to? Uh... Um, I'm going to be at the Comedy Cellar May 27th through June 2nd. That is Memorial Day weekend. The one in Vegas? Yeah. Vegas. Okay. I'll be in Vegas for that one. So that'll, All right. be, that'll be fun. I'd learned how to gamble the last time I was there. So. Play some blackjack? No, I can't do blackjack because I'm terrible at math. Yeah. I know you're not supposed to count cards, but you still have to count. I do a roulette. <laughs> That's not counting cards as in trying to figure out whether you have 21 or <laughs> it It's is. like literally counting the cards. <laughs> I love that you think that's card counting. Oh, she tried to figure out whether that was 21. Nine plus, she had 12 and she didn't that's know That's what I'm many. saying. I can't <laughs> that's count. Not, that's not a card count. I know, that's I a, know, but it's well, still counting. 
Oh, God, what a great mistake you just made. I get to make fun of you right at the end of the show. Thanks for being here, Chloe. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this. I did. I had so much fun. I can't wait for you to return the favor and do my podcast. Yeah, now that we've got this in the can, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Bye, everyone. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Hey everybody, we're back. Hope you enjoyed my talk with Chloe Hilliard. Check out her book and also check out other podcasts on the Starburns Network, starburns.audio. And if you want a Toddberry Podcast t-shirt, go to toddberry.com forward slash shirts. You can also do forward slash shirt. I believe they're both set up to cover every possible way you could do that. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Star Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.